Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to Good morning, say. everyone. Uh, welcome to a series of podcasts that we've been calling Leading Others to Christ. Uh, in fact, this is episode, uh, it's hard to believe, but it's episode number 61. Uh, my name is Dan Barker, and I preach uh, for the uh, uh, the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Franklin is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. Uh, I always try to give everybody a little bit of a visual and idea of where we're located. Those that know me, uh, you know that I'm passionate about our subject today of leading others to Christ, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. And, and really, ever since then, any time I could hear anybody talking about evangelism or how-to or books or tracks or whatever, I would always try to get my hands on it and digest it and see what I could take and, and, uh, and use in, in my work, if you will. And um, so last year, uh, Matt Malden and I came up with this idea of a, of a COVID project of starting this podcast. And those of you that have been watching, you know that he's the tech guy behind the scenes. Uh, we couldn't do this without Matt. Thank you, Matt. But anyway, uh, the idea with the, uh, with the uh, podcast is to interview fellow workers, interview men and women, uh, preachers, elders, deacons, the wives, uh, women in congregations, and find out how are they doing this work in their community? How are they doing it? Where are they doing it? Uh, what type of studies do they use? How, how do they invite the services? All, the, all those things. And I always remind everybody uh, in, in every, uh, every interview what Paul said to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 2. 2 uh, he says, uh, to uh, remind, he said, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously, and women who will be able to teach others also. And then later in that chapter, there's a phrase there that I really like. Paul is urging Timothy and urging us to be useful for the master. So these ideas, uh, these interviews have, uh, should say these interviews have generated an awful lot of ideas. Probably 80% of the people that I've interviewed, I've not met in person. That includes our, our guest today. And, and Lord willing, I'll be able to, to meet our guest uh, sometime in person uh, sometime soon. But um, so many things uh, that we've learned, and I, I made a note here for today that some of the things have been, I've put down amazing. Some have been encouraging. And some at times have been discouraging. And we try to focus on the positive things, but uh, there's a lot of things that have come out of these interviews, some new ideas and some new tools that we're working on that we'll talk more to you about later uh, as these come together. But let me stop. We, we need all the time we can today. We're so happy to have with us today, Daniel DeGarmo. Welcome, Daniel. Good to be with you. Yes, sir. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Uh, uh, Daniel works for... Uh, or works for, he works with the, uh, uh, the church in Chillicothe, Ohio. And uh, he's been recommended by uh, several people that we've interviewed. And uh, we, I, I might well share this with everybody because if you're listening and you have somebody that you think that I need to interview or you'd like to recommend, please send that information to me and, and the contact person and their number. And I'll be more than happy to reach out and, 
and see when we can get them uh, get them scheduled. But we always start everything out, uh, Daniel, with what we call the short bio, the elevator pitch. Uh, I know a lot of people know you. There's people that are listening that don't know you very well. So kind of bring us up to speed here. Where were you born and what are you doing? And tell us about Daniel DeGarmo. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, so I was born and raised in the northern panhandle of West Virginia, so the Moundsville, Wheeling area. Um, I had all intentions of playing college baseball. That didn't turn out as I had hoped due to one of my own dumb mistakes. And so someone said, have you thought about Florida College? And I had become a Christian. I was 17 years old. Went to, went to FC from uh, 92 to 94. FC was a little rough for me without going into a lot of detail. Those years of my life, I didn't like rules. And so I tried to break them. And so there was a challenging time where the rebel heart kind of won out. And so I didn't graduate until 95 because quite frankly, I got expelled. So I, but I finished and I got out of uh, Florida college in 95, moved to Columbus, Ohio, started working secular work. Uh, the idea of preaching was not real. I mean, I did some preaching, but not really on my radar at all. Um, as I'm in Columbus, Ohio, I would always travel back to FC to visit during lectures. And other times I had a good friend that was preaching down there in the Bradenton area. And I'd fly down for a weekend. And at one of the lectures uh, in 1997, on a Thursday night, I remember because Bill Hall was doing the lecture on holiness. Uh, and after the lecture, I met my wife, um, uh-huh. Serena. Serena Rombach, and we've been married for 24 years now. Uh, she, so we got married, I, man, let me think, six, eight, six, seven months later in that same year of 97, November 8th of 97. I was doing more preaching than one of the churches there hired me on as kind of their evangelism guy. My secular work was really just sales, marketing. I knew how to persuade people to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. And that was going very well. I took over a store, was running a store, but really wasn't comfortable with that direction in life. And I was doing a lot of part-time preaching and whatnot. And then an opportunity arose to leave secular work completely and go preach full-time. And I did that in 2003. We had just had our son, Noah, in 2000. Uh, Serena was pregnant with our oldest daughter, uh, Eliana. And we moved up there. I could go into so many details about how God you know, took care of everything so providentially that we got to Canada. Everything worked out great. Wonderful congregation. I worked with the Jordan Church of Christ uh, in Jordan, Ontario from 2003 to 2006. About halfway through 2006, I decided I wanted to get back to the States and I've always wanted to go to a community and plant a church, uh, just start something from scratch. Uh, In fact, it was Brother Brownie Reeves who was up doing a meeting and Ask me, Dan, if you could do anything in the kingdom, what would it be? And I said, I'd like to go somewhere and start a work. And he said, I always thought Chillicothe, Ohio would be a good place to do that. Interestingly interestingly enough. Then I, in 2006, we moved to Chillicothe, Ohio. We've been here ever since that church started with just a handful of people. And, you know, 15 years later, here we are. And it's been a, for the kingdom, a very profitable work. Well, um, I believe, uh, I hope I have this right. When you said Brownie Reeves, I believe uh, last week we interviewed uh, Keith Stonehart, and I believe 
Brownie converted. Yeah. Uh, Keith. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yep. I'm glad that made that connection there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, is Brownie still with us? Is, he is. Okay. That's somebody we he is. need to put on our list to talk to. You, you do. Yeah. You do. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, this is something that you're going to hear about too in the future. This, what if this came up, this came up, this, what if concept. Yep. Uh, and it came up with uh, our first interview with Benjamin Lee. And Good guy. Uh, Good guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we've used that almost every time, but I, I jotted it down there. What if you hadn't gone to Florida college or what if you hadn't gone in 97 and, and heard the lecture of Bill Hall? Cause you wouldn't have met that cute little girl there. Right. That's right. Yeah. So what if you hadn't gone? Right. Uh, but, uh, and then what if, uh, what if uh, brother Reeves had not mentioned Chilla coffee? I mean, he could have think about all the different places that he could have mentioned. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, I just find, I, I love to study the providence of God. I don't understand all of it. I just Amen. think it's, it's just, uh, amazing. Um, but you know, uh, I know obviously we are just getting to know each other and so many things there I could go off of and, th and think about, but, um, well, this is a silly question, maybe, but why do you do what you do? Well, you know, it's like, remember when you were a kid, people would say, well, Daniel, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, so why could you do that? What do you think? Why do you do what you do? That's a, that's a really good question. Thank you. Um, so a few, I don't know, a month or two ago, I entered an auctioneer competition and one of the, the question, part of that, process is they ask you a question on the spot you don't know what the question is no time to prepare and the question was why do you love the auction industry which was a great a great question but that question you just asked i think hits the same area of my heart which is i love people i just love people i love getting to know people i love hearing people i love knowing people's stories i love seeing people redeemed i i just love people and I do what I do. I think the best answer I could give you is because I just love people. Well, that, that's, uh, that's so good and so powerful. Um, there's, uh, you know, again, in talking to everybody, we're all so different, right? We're mm -hmm. all just, we, we're different, but there's some things that, that we're all, obviously we have the gospel in common and, and uh, the path that we're on, but so the skill set that we need to develop and lead, need to learn how, I mean, some are, are natural and you seem to be one of those guys. I don't know if, it, if you would say it's a natural gift that you have to meet people. And because there's so many people, they're scared to death to talk to somebody. They, they, they would say they love people, but they would never be the first one to start a conversation. Right. right. I get so that. That whole, that whole conversation of learning how to make connections and learning how to build relationships uh, especially in leading others to Christ. I, I just think it's a vital thing. Don't you? Amen. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that, you know, in the early stages of my Christian faith and in my preaching work, I mean, I, I, I'm an extrovert. I think the older I get, the more introverted I become, but I don't have really any issues talking to people, but it was definitely harder. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes and not everyone's going to be the same. There's going to be people that work in the background that, that have they gain the same reward as those who are on the front lines because they all work together in bringing people to Christ. Exactly. And, and so I, I, what I, I'm careful because I noticed this in, my, in the congregation here. 
there are some people that's not going to be door knockers and they're, and that's fine. I think sometimes we try to get everyone to be out there pounding on doors and starting Bible studies. I just, I'm not sure first Corinthians 12 really describes uh, accurate uh, that uh, that accurately describes what we try to accomplish today. You can't put everybody out front. There's going to be people in the background and when the church is working together as it should, then you will see the fruit of that. And while I think everyone should be able to share the fundamentals of Christ and him crucified, the gospel message, the methodology of doing that for each person is going to be different, and that's okay. That's you know, it was huge for me. That took me a while to really accept that. I, I always thought people should be like me. They're not going to be. I'm glad they're not. You, I don't want a bunch of Dan DeGarmos out there. You don't want a bunch of Dan DeGarmos out there. I love it when the church works together and you have people out front, people in the background, and they're all working for the common cause of leading others to Christ. Well, that, that's so good, too. And just think about the analogy that we're given in the scriptures of our body. You know, there's certain parts of our body. I can't say to my big toe, I don't need you. You don't see my big toe unless unless I take my shoe off of it or stump it. Or, <laughs> right. But but how valuable if I don't have that big toe, it presents some problems for me. And uh, but yeah, the role the role that we all have uh, uh, is, is a fascinating conversation. But, um, um, you know. I know you mentioned uh, Brownie Reeves there. Uh, another note that I have, who's uh, who's somebody that comes to mind? Uh, you mentioned uh, Bill Hall there, but I, I'm, I know there's others that bar- maybe they were Barnabases in your life or they were mentors. Um, and I'm not talking so much about, well, it could be even in the business world, but so who comes to mind that a man or woman that, uh, that had some influence on you and encouraged you to do what you're doing? That's a very easy question for me to answer, and it's Ken Craig. Yep, Ken Craig, and uh, he's a shepherd with the church in Helena, Alabama. Um, I met him just as I was getting ready. I think it was in 2004 at a lectureship in Ocala, I think, and heard him present the big picture of the Bible. And maybe yes. in all your evangelism interviews, people have mentioned that. Um, the, and and it, it blew me away. I felt like I heard the gospel for the first time and he has been a dear friend and mentor and counselor to me for the past 15, 16, 17 now, 17 years. So that's an easy, easy question for me to answer. And it's Ken Craig. Well, you know, I think uh, people, it's always been interesting to do that and ask people. And, uh, and I know that Ken is still alive and well, and, uh, but I, sometimes I'll have people and they'll talk about somebody maybe from way back and I'll say, right. well, have you reached out to him lately? Have you reached out to say thank you? And maybe even with, with, uh, with Ken, just, yeah. uh, and you've probably said thank you before, but we all, we all need somebody. We need to hear and every now and then. Way to go, yes. Yeah, well, and just, but we all need to hear that. We just need to hear. Thank you. I appreciate uh, what you've done. Paul was, you look at Paul's writings, he ended every every letter that he wrote encouraging and thanking somebody. He, he, he touched he touched on different people's lives. And you know that meant a great deal to those workers out there to hear him uh, remember them. But yep. we all need we all need that. And maybe if it's that that sister in a certain congregation, she invited you over every now and then and fed you and uh, I don't know, uh, sent you a card or just to remember. But I, I think that's an important part of our Again, back to the relationship building Absolutely. thing. Um, tell us, uh, tell us about the, tell us a little bit more about the church there, Chillicothe, if you would. Yeah, sure. So, 
it was 2006 when we moved here and planted this work. We were meeting in a, um, there's so many details that I'm going to have to just skip because of time. We were meeting in a community center that was offered us for free. Uh, and there was a lot of support from Christians and churches all over the place for what we were doing. Uh, and we got busy. I, I don't know how else to say it. We got busy. I came here with Mark Hatfield. Uh, him and I were, are still beloved brothers. And he came here to work. Him and his family came here to start this work with us. Uh, and let's see, that was 2006. And a few years later, we had an opportunity to purchase a piece of land. We bought the land um, and we built a church building in 2009 and got into this in 2010. We've been in this building for 11 years. We started off with probably 17 to 19 as a core membership. Um, you can imagine after the course of 15, 16 years, there's going to be changes. We have watched a lot of people give their lives to Christ. We've watched a lot of people walk away from that life. Uh, we've seen people um, move on to other opportunities. It's it just been a journey for sure. I don't know. I'm going to briefly touch on this, but it's been a painful journey too. the COVID scene. And I have heard this from so many preachers really hit a lot of churches hard. And there was some um, unfortunate, maybe divisions and separations. And we, we went through that. That was hard, but here we are on the other, I think on the other side of this COVID mess, and we're, we're still um, moving along, grinding. I think that's a good word to use, grinding it out day by day, week by week. And I think our membership is at around 80, 85. But we at one time were 120, 130. And just so not that numbers are that important, but every number represents a soul. So I, I think they're, when I look back at the last 15 years, I, I don't like using the term success when it comes to the gospel, because I, I think it's too secularized. I think I would like to say there has been excellence in the work here in the church. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, uh, I think sometimes we don't even sit down and, and, and do a little quick review or to, like that, just kind of to think back about how the group starts. So, well, there's so many places that you go and people, they, you know, they see a building that's there. They see the people yep. that are there go, well, this has always been here. Uh, well, no, that <laughs> they all have a history. They all had a beginning place. And, uh, but like you say, the, the life of a congregation, uh, the funerals, uh, uh, the accidents, the ones that do move away, uh, we've lost some really, uh, really strong people that literally they had to move to, because of job or family situations, and we hated to see them leave. But that that's part of life. Um, but um, but yeah, the dynamics of a of a local work is uh, is is a great uh, subject to think about too. Well, I will say we, this too, if you don't mind me adding something. No, um, I look back and when we were renting out the uh, um, community center. I felt like our church was more cohesive and working, uh, more active in working together. I, I look back and I wonder if building a church building wasn't the best idea because it's for some people, once we got the church building, it was as if we had arrived. Wow. And, and that I look back and today, I still wonder, should we really have done that? Um, 
I'm not here to criticize church buildings or anything like that. But in our journey, I, 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 those first three or four years was a very active work. And then when the church building came and we got in it, it was like, here we are. <laughs> and, and the work stopped, not only stopped, it definitely slowed down. I look back, it definitely slowed down and it took a lot of work to get that work going again. And we have in some, you know, peaks and valleys, you know, but anyway, I, I, when I look at this work in Chillicothe and the wholeness of it, I wonder if that was looking back in wisdom, that was the best move. I don't know, right. but I question, I question it. I do. Well, and, and I can, I can relate to that and understand that, um, uh, you know, the peaks and the valleys, uh, my goodness, so many little things here that you've said we could talk about again yeah. in our individual lives right. uh, in our family lives and the congregation, um, and uh, we talk all the time about uh, where I am about uh, uh, rejoice in the sowing of the seed. You know, we That's always right. we always rejoice when somebody obeys the gospel or somebody repents. But to rejoice in that sowing of the seed because that's hard. There's there's a reason, Dan. It's called work, right? Yeah, that's right. It, it's, that's right. It, yeah, it, it's work and uh, the patience and uh, uh, all the things that are involved with that. Well, let, let's do this. Tell us, I ask everybody every time to, and I know you've got several, but a conversion story. Share with us a story that you you would like for everyone to hear of maybe unique circumstances or whatever of, of somebody that, that came to Christ. Frank Johnson. <laughs> that name, Frank. Frank Johnson. So we were active in uh, nursing homes and Frank Johnson, I met Frank. Um, he was sitting there with sunglasses on and a walking stick, and I accurately <laughs> assumed he couldn't see. But I got to know Frank, and uh, Frank was blind because he put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. He tried to kill himself. So oh, the wow. bullet went right there behind his eyes, and it took out his eyesight and his smelling. Many who might watch this will remember the Frank Johnson story uh, because they were active in watching it unfold, but shared the gospel with Frank. Um, and I asked him if he would like to die with Christ. And, and I, I still today use the big picture of the Bible process and share, you know, I've kind of a, adapted it to my own flow, but it is yeah, yeah. fundamentally the same, the, the same story, okay, the big, okay. just the whole, the story of redemption. And, uh, I asked Frank, I said, would you like to die with Christ today, Frank, and have a new life and have all those things that you've done in your life forgotten by God and cleansed and he said i just remember he said if you can make that happen i'd love to wow. and we made it happen in the moment we ended up you know church building wasn't uh i, I don't know if it was I'm trying to think if it was built yet or if there was a problem with the baptistry but we ended up baptizing frank in a pool in one of the um uh hotels just not far from where he was at the nursing home and then for the next four to five years as frank lived and then he died uh, he was a source of encouragement to so many people because when he would comment in classes and he would say things, he's coming at being a Christian from someone who lived a life that was not Christian for 70 plus years. And the perspective that we got from Frank was very humbling because he looks back on all the things that he did that was ungodly but pleasurable and saw them as. Listen, I, I'm, I'm living now. 
I wasn't living back then. Now I'm living. And I only wish I could have had the life I have now and and not done any of that stuff. And that kind of perspective was such an encouraging one to our church. It really was. Frank died and um, he's buried in my backyard. (laughs) I love Frank so much. I said, Frank, I'm going to bury you in my backyard. He wanted to be cremated. And then I tried to plant a tree a couple of times on top of him and he he kept killing the tree. But (laughs) I got stories like that left and right. I I just, when you, when you are active in the community and you meet people and you connect with people and you love on people. So my, the fundamental, um, I don't like using the word slogan when it comes to churches, but there's three words that I've tried to be the foundation of this, of this work. It's love, serve, and teach in that order because that is, I believe, when I've studied the life of Christ, that is the order in which I see Jesus being an incredible evangelist and loving people, serving people, and teaching people. You take one of those pieces out, it, it's for naught. If, if the love is the motive, the serve is, is the hands, and the teach is the mouth, you've got to do all of that with lost people. You got, they got to know that you genuinely care about them and you love them. If they don't, what you're what you're what you're presenting to them when you start talking about God and how much He loves them, it's going to sound very rehearsed. It's going to sound like it's something you do because you get paid to do it. It doesn't sound authentic. So your heart has to get to a place where you genuinely love people, and then you and then you allow yourself to be a servant to them. And if you love people and serve people, lost people in the community or wherever, the doors to that open up to share with them about Christ and him crucified and the gospel message of redemption, it, there'll be more than you can handle, but you've got, you've got to work on your heart and your hands. You've got to, you've got to love and serve and uh, sorry to get preachy, but that, that is the process. And I try to do that in my own life. I'm imperfect at it. No, I'm not claiming here perfection to anything. But I know my heart and I genuinely love people and I want to show them I love them by serving them. And the opportunities to teach are wide open. One other conversion story day that I like telling people, I know time is limited, but we had an unfortunate loss of one of our sisters that we actually taught and converted their family. She died in a motorcycle accident on the way to church one morning. And yes. And then one year later, um, we did, they called it the ride for Lynette. So it got, it went social media viral, I guess. And at least a thousand, probably 1500 bikers came from all over the country to, to ride the ride from the house into the church. And that day, all we asked was they would stay to hear a message. And I got pictures of it, video of it. There was more than this building could handle but there was a lot of land here. They all parked their bikes and I got out with a megaphone and I preached Christ and how much he loves them and what he did to show them he loved them. And we baptized four people that day. Wow. And, wow. and two of wow. them are, two of them are still mem- uh, faithful members of our church today. Wow. What a great story that is. Uh, <clears throat> um, you know, without Lynette, you said, right. <clears throat> without her even realizing, you know, with an accident like that, but <clears throat> she had no clue that, that her death was going to lead to, to that many people having a chance to hear the gospel and four yes. people and four people actually obeying the gospel yes. through her death, you know, back to the providence of God again. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. 
So that is, uh, that is so good. Um, you know, I know uh, I told you the time would go fast, man. Just gave, <laughs> man, you just gave me the signal. So uh, what do you do? Is this being 50 minutes? Yeah, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he would, he would pop on the screen if we went, if we went too long, but, uh, but you know, the, so many things we could talk about it. And, and yep. uh, you know, what we're trying to do, I love your, I can just see it, uh, you know, and, uh, and I was thinking about this when you were talking about Frank. Frank couldn't see your face. He couldn't see your, uh, he could hear you. He, yep. could hear your, he could hear your energy. He could hear the truth that you were teaching from God's word. And he was motivated by that uh, to respond. But um, uh, that, that energy that, you know, I, would, I just want to encourage you to keep your energy up. And uh, I mean, you're still a kid to me, but, you know, you're a young guy, but keep that energy going because I'm afraid in too many places, I'm going to get negative for a minute. Uh, it not, it's not negative. I say that because it's, uh, it's real. And, and this has come yeah. up in a lot of conversations and there's in so many places that the Lord's church is dying. Yeah. Um, there are no new people being taught. Uh, churches are, they're literally closing their doors. Um, and it's so sad to see that we've seen, through this, doing all these podcasts, so many numbers that have come up the average size of like 80% of the congregations that have like 30 people, 34 people. Uh, and nobody's, nobody is responding in a long time. They don't have, they don't even have gospel meetings anymore. They can't afford to bring anybody in. And there's just no, uh, people don't, don't know who they are in the community. They're not involved in the community. Uh, and I don't know if they've lost their first love, if the fire's gone out, or they never were taught in the first place. It's it's a little bit of everything. Um, but uh, it, you know, remember the Hebrew writer there said, that, you know, not to forsake the assembly. But one of the things that we're supposed to do when we come together is stir each other up, right? That's right. So, so how do we how do we stir each other up? And maybe I'm going to tie that into uh, since we're out of time, we always end with one thing. And maybe you had one thing and your one thing there was your three words was really good. Um, but uh, what do you think we could do? Just not to put you on the spot, but what can we do to, to keep each other stirred up? What just to, to stir us up again? What do you think we need to do? Um, oh, wow. I got a, I mean, I have a few answers for that. I, I, I'm not the source of absolute knowledge on this. The one thing is, I think we have to shift our focus. I think our focus, um, for many, when you mention these dying churches, I think the focus needs to be shifted. And I probably will take some heat for that. And people who know me know what I mean by that. But the the focus needs to be shifted. We need to think beyond our outside of ourselves. We just need to shift the focus from us and our right little group and focus on the needs of the people that are outside your group and go out well, and love them and love them, serve them and teach them. Well, I hope nobody would, I hope you said you might get in trouble on anybody that understands what's going on. That's yeah. like the, it's like the old illustration. I mean, Jesus told Peter and the other guys there to follow him. He's going to teach them to be fishers of men. Right. Yeah. Uh, and what's the old illustration? If we're just we're just focused on the aquarium, we're just that's right. That's right. We're not, we're not doing any fishing out there in our communities uh, the yeah. way we used to. I've got a, 
an article, and I've shared this several times, that was written uh, in the Owensboro Messenger and Enquirer. Uh, it was in 1960 on April the 30th. The reason I can remember that, that's my birthday, April the 30th. And yes, all of you that are listening, you need to write that down. No. Uh, but uh, the title of the article was, and this was uh, Associated Press uh, religious writer, the title of the article was in the headlines, Church of Christ, Fastest Growing Church in America. That was in 1960. I would have been 14 years old. Can you imagine seeing an article like that today? You know, and it's like, what has happened between 1960, if you will, and today? And I think some of what you touched on there is uh, we, we need to shift our focus. I think you're right. We've, we've lost it or we need to shift it or the combination um, and just really realize just how serious this is and what a role that we all play. Uh, every member in the congregation plays a role. It's not just your job as the preacher or my job as an elder or whatever, but it, it's a role that we all have. But uh, I, now I'm talking and now I'm preaching. Uh, I'll stop. But uh, you know what I'm saying, right? And, Ab and it's absolutely. And what I mean is I, I believe that doctrine and truth is absolutely critical and very, very important. And I, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but we like to get together so often and just tell each other how right we are about everything. And it, just shifting the focus to getting out there into the community and loving on them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is good. We're out of time, brother. Uh, All right, I didn't get to talk about, I didn't get the point that way either. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Uh, you know, uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, let's say by somebody listening to this, you've got them, you do have them stirred up and they want to, they want, they, you know, I want to get to know uh, Daniel DeGarmo. Would, would it be okay? Would you give out your uh, contact information if somebody wanted to reach out to you? Sure. Sure. My phone number is, uh, you can text me or call me anytime, 740 412 7866. And I'd be glad to talk to anybody. Uh, my email is probably the best one to use is just uh, Daniel DeGarmo, my name, all lowercase, no dashes, no dots, no underscores. Daniel DeGarmo at yahoo.com. That's more my personal email. Uh, be glad to help. And I'm on Facebook. So connect with me on Facebook. All right. Well, again, um, I can see why the ones said I, that I need to talk to Daniel DeGarmo. I can see why they recommended you. <laughs> uh, I really, uh, I really do appreciate what you've done there. And, uh, uh, and I meant it when I said, Lord willing, our paths will cross somewhere. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, it would be great. And uh, maybe we can just make that happen. Uh, and we'll be following up with you as we go forward with all of our, uh, of all of our work here, but brother, you and, uh, uh, and your bride, Serena, Selena, yeah. what? Serena, yes. Serena, yes, I almost missed it. I had it right the first time. Serena. You did. Yeah. You did. And uh, I should have had her on here to interview her as well. But You uh, should. I, seriously, you should. She, yeah, she can probably do a better job than I, than I have done. Uh, well, you tell her You tell her we said hi. And, and, I will. Uh, we thank her so much for the role that she's played. And, and I, we understand how important that is. So, And, and the kids, too. So, all right, brother. Again, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Lord willing. Yeah, man, anytime. Yes, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Melt my heart.
words and fill my life. Give me one soul today.